Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. This is Katie. I am your host, and thank you so much for tuning in to Health Formation. We are so happy, as always, to have you. Um, I feel like I have to start out with just a little mention of COVID. I don't feel like I can really release an episode during this time without bringing it up. I just want to say I hope that everyone is staying safe, staying healthy. Um, If you are isolating, stay isolated and try to find something fun to do in your house, maybe cleaning some things that you hadn't gotten to in a while or just reconnecting with your family. Um, If you're quarantined, I hope that you are feeling better and you are just getting better as quickly as possible. And if you're a healthcare provider, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for being out there on the front lines and helping everyone to get healthy or stay healthy as possible. Um, I know that we are just trying to do the best that we can here, getting everyone their medication that they need so they can stay home, stay isolated um, without having to come out and face the masses. And so healthcare providers, thank you so much. I hope that you are you know, getting some time to rest in there as well. Um, so I would also now like to talk about my guest for today. So today's guest is Dr. Neil Smoller. He is a pharmacist up in Woodstock, New York. He owns a business called Village Apothecary. And as you'll hear me say in the episode, um, I think that Neil is the male version of me. He and I are pretty similar. And one of the things that we are very similar about is kind of our thought to how to care for someone and our approach to healthcare. So one of the things that he really looks at in his practice is taking care of the whole person. So he has a traditional dispensing pharmacy as well as a business that provides supplements to people that can help to augment their care with their traditional Western medicine. And I think that this is so important and so awesome because, you know, people They'll have their pulmonologist and their endocrinologist and their cardiologist, but we need someone to look at you as a whole person and figure out, you know, how do these drugs all work together and how do these disease states all work together and what can we do to kind of augment and improve your care as much as possible because you have these three different conditions, not looking at the three different things in isolation of each other. So... His practice looks at holistic medicine, holistic care, and we have a great conversation where we just kind of drop a lot of truth bombs on you. We talk a lot about different quality issues with supplements, and I would like to plug him and his supplement business. If you are looking for some a high quality product, find Dr. Neal's website. His business, again, is Village Apothecary in Woodstock, New York. And look on there to find some different high-quality products. Um, I know that he did not want to plug his products, so I will do it for him. Um, But thank you again for tuning in today to Health Formation, and I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you have any questions about Neil um, or his business, his contact information is in the show notes. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy it. All right. So how are you? I'm very good. How about you? I'm well, coronavirus out though. I, that's that's where I'm at right now. We just released all our students, so now we're coronavirus out as well. <laughs> Literally. We have there's so there's three so the the county that I work in is called Harnett County. So the county has three coronavirus tests. We have seven. So Oh <laughs> yikes. 
I don't know how we ended up with more than the county, but we're yeah. doing, we're coronavirus testing everyone. That's stupid that you only got seven tests. I mean, mm-hmm. can we talk about how much of a mess that whole thing is? Like, there should be literally tens of thousands at each county, and we should, you know, that's, I mean, my messaging over the past day has been, it's time to have some leadership here. Nobody's saying it, so now stay home. Stay home yeah. now. It's it's time because our hospital probably won't be able to handle 20 cases, let right. alone a couple thousand, you know. Do you guys have any? Um, there's one at the Kingston high school. So one at a local high school, um, one in Ulster County, just like, uh, like was treated at the hospital. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's getting closer. A kid from SUNY just got, uh, the state university of New York, they just got diagnosed with it. And the quads that these kids live in, there's like a thousand people in them. So, yeah. So, and then they sent them home, they sent them all home. So it's like, now you've got potential, two to 50 people that he probably came in correct direct contact with or spread his germs to right now they're headed home so this is going to get ugly very ugly and our system isn't going to be able to handle it and it might have to actually shape this election you know everybody's a socialist in a pandemic you know (laughs) i don't know i don't i feel like people don't realize how they can protect themselves and their loved ones Mm -hmm. like i don't they don't know how to stay safe basically like well, buying mean, so, a bunch of isn't going to do anything yeah that, right so unless you surround yourself with it and don't leave that fort of toilet paper yeah i mean and it brings up a really good point you know since supplements is my game it shows that people just want to do something people just want to feel better they want to feel like they're doing something uh to you know it's like that false sense of security that they get mm-hmm. from just action and that's where these charlatans sweep in and then they're like, we're going to sell you vitamin C and, and zinc. And here's our special herbal blend that will help protect you against coronavirus and all of this stuff and sovereign silver. And Alex Jones has a product that he's probably made millions on just by playing into the fears of people. And what's worse is that people believe it. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. will believe anything, but also they don't know who or what to believe. So that's also part of the problem. Absolutely. All right. I don't want to talk about coronavirus anymore. <laughs> no problem. Me neither. Um, so I want you to tell me about you. So first sure. of all, I've decided in our limited interactions that you are the male version of me. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. I was always looking for another sarcastic person to share my love of everything yes. with. Yes, that's very fine. sarcastic. I feel like we have the same kind of like mannerisms and the, we have the same kind of energy, I feel like. So oh, excellent. you we'll are be the male BFF. version of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So I feel all immediately a connection with you. Um, but yeah. I want to know like about your background, your yeah. journey in pharmacy school and what you do now. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those dudes that knew at age 14 that I wanted to be a pharmacist. I grew up in community pharmacy. Yeah, I sat down in that home ec computer. They're like, oh, you should do something medical. I saw pharmacy come up and I instantly thought of my my neighbor and mentor and community pharmacist who eventually became my business partner. You know, we opened a store together in our hometown. Um, and so, you know, I went to pharmacy school, you know, raised the roof, blew out the doors, you know, do that, did that whole pharmacy school experience, drank a lot uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> got through it. And, um, I went to Albany College of Pharmacy. Okay. And so it's a small town and, you know, it's a really, really small school. I think we graduated like 100 people or something like that. So, you know, everybody 
you've had like a five minute conversation with at least everybody in in the entire school, you know. The yeah, Albany College of Pharmacy is a fun place. But anyway, so the um, so I went to pharmacy college and I got out and I've always been very entrepreneurial. Actually, all during school, I had a DJ gig. I was a DJ. I would do like proms and weddings and like six sweet 16s and everything. So I've always like had this entrepreneurial drive. I got hooked up with a couple people during my uh, rotations that kind of poured gasoline on the fire and really pushed me to entrepreneurship. So I, the first thing I did was I was a consultant pharmacist with one of those mentors. So I did the consultant pharmacy gig. Um, that was excellent. That was probably where I got the smartest as it pertains to the practical application of pharmacy and, and, and really selling to other healthcare practitioners the value of pharmacists. You know, So that was really great. I always had that thing. I wanted to be in a community pharmacy. So I worked for a chain just to make the money. That kind of stunk. And I worked at a hospital doing the IVs. I eventually ended up getting a clinical gig at the VA in Albany, and I was one of the two people that they hired to build their med reconciliation program. So okay. I got to do all of that stuff, and I taught pharmacology. So I was, you know, like I said, you know, my immigrant uh, friends, I'm like, I work harder than you guys do because they, they, you know, they was they would always have like multiple jobs during college, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to use a little bit of that energy. I'm going to do some of that. So I had five jobs right after graduation. All of the things like simultaneously. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty nice. Yeah, it was crazy. So, um, so, but then I, you know, I was on my honeymoon and I'm like, you know what? I can't work for people. I got to do something. I'm going to open a pharmacy. I, I have a friend, Jagged, and like he had a pharmacy and he was doing well with it. And I'm like, Jagged's dumb. Like, if he can do it, I can do it, you know, because like he's my <laughs> buddy. So, like, so, uh, so he actually motivated me to get in it. I opened up a community pharmacy. Community pharmacy was doing pretty well for a couple of years, but then Caremark and all that st dumb stuff happened. Walmart, $4 generics. I was like, this sucks. I need to sell supplements to make more money. What year right? was it? This was 2008 is when I started to have these feelings, these these weird feelings in my tummy. So I, I just decided that it's, it's time to sell supplements for money because we were taught in school vitamins aren't to take they're to sell you know so kind of didn't sit well with me because you know i saw people doing well with supplements and and they were claiming it and what i realized is like we're here in pharmacy land right we're here and we're doing all the conventional medicine stuff and supplements kind of belong to this other category where uh, there's some weird stuff going on over there you know there's like people that are very uh anti-science or pseudoscientific um and i really felt like if i wanted to sell supplements then i'd have to be them and i just didn't want to do that so as a you know as a compounding pharmacist and like all of this other stuff i was like i can take that and merge the best part of pharmacy with supplements and i i'm like you know what somebody needs to say something because I'm a big mouth, right? That's my rap is like, I just like to fight with people for some reason because I wasn't hugged enough or something like that. So I just decided that it's it, like, I want to make supplements ours, like pharmacists owned by pharmacists. So we launched a store here in Woodstock, New York, most famous small town in the world, right? And we uh, did our integrative thing. And over the years, just kind of refined the model and figured out like what we were doing. And and now we're here. We've got this big e-commerce business. We've got uh, this uh, very strong practice here in Woodstock. We sell lots of supplements, but we don't sell supplements. We use them as a part of what I call a true holistic care program. And we can talk about all of that. And, um, and, and we really like jerks about supplement quality. So, and now my newest thing is supplement school. I teach other pharmacists right now because we're the ones that need the most help, how to not sell supplements, but instead lead in supplement quality and true holistic care. So that's me. 
And then in there, like I'm talking professional stuff, of course, I was able to convince a beautiful, smart woman to marry me. And that was awesome. And then we ended up having triplets. Fun. That's, that's stupid. Yeah, don't do that. It's like Fun. a litter of kittens. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had another baby because I don't own $8,000 in birth control, you know, in my pharmacy. So <laughs> I don't know how the whole science works. So, so all of that stuff happened over the past 10 years. Currently, you still own your, your community pharmacy and do the supplements, right? I do. Yeah. At one okay. point we had, we had multiple stores. I had a store in my hometown where I had started first. We had the store in Woodstock with, with supplements. I had a, a big practice in a n neighboring town that had the compounding lab supplements, DME, cool. the whole thing in a cool. medical building. And then I had a supplement only store in like two hours away. Okay. And it's a very rich community called West Hartford, Connecticut. It's a oh, magical I'm land. Connecticut. So, oh, I'm so, like you know, West Hartford in the center. Yeah. I was right there. Boom. Okay. It was, it was one of my favorite places to be. So, so I, I had done all that and I realized I'm like, oh, I'm doing this for my kids. And I realized I wasn't spending much time for my kids and pharmacy kind of sucks, uh, from a, a business standpoint. So I just decided that I was going to wind it down, focus on one thing. And I might, made a promise to myself that I would never expand outside of a postage stamp size real estate. So I was going to go digital. I just want to, I want to like touch the world, but not have stores in every town. Like I was dreaming up when I was younger, you know? Okay. So what is your model now? So your model, you have a holistic health model, right? So that, yeah. I love that. That's like totally my dream of what I want to do in my career. Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say that I posted, so I call myself a holistic pharmacist. So in our mm -hmm. independent pharmacy Facebook group, I posted that pharmacists should own supplement quality. We should be all holistic pharmacists. And somebody said, <laughs> I'd rather... I'd rather effing die than be called a holistic pharmacist. And I'm like, well, I get it. I'm with you. I understand because if you talk about holistic, holistic has been appropriated by charlatans, right? So the, the wrong people have said that holistic means this. And it really means like weird stuff. Like I'm going to use crystals or I'm going to be anti-medicine, anti-science. It's like virtue signaling to most people that hear the word holistic, especially us in that other bin of, conventional medicine, right? We're over here in that, in that pile and you hear holistic and you go, oh boy, here we go. You know? So we have to kind of steal the word back and do what I call true holistic care, where you're, instead of looking at supplements as the only treatment modality, and it's just like a vehicle to sell people a thousand supplements, you're actually looking at all of the lifestyle factors, right? So nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, environment, those are the five that I kind of point out. Um, and then I think that if you are going to use supplements, they, uh, and even over the counter options or even treatments that don't require a doctor, it needs to be done in a strategic manner. We can't just grab supplements, put them in our regimen and not think about any of the dangers or risks or anything like that. So we say supplements can be used and they're a part of this model, but it has to be done much more strategically using the brain of a pharmacist to, to lead that. And then so at, at the, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, it's the same thing with a prescription medication. Like you can't just take a prescription medication and assume that all of your ills are going to be cured. You also need to do the lifestyle modification things adjunctively that are going to help you to get better. Like if you have diabetes, you can't just take metformin and then you're going to be better because you're not. You're just going to keep getting worse unless you change all of the lifestyle things that led you to diabetes. So I have a big diabetes practice. Nutrition is my current love so yeah. i'm constantly talking to people about eating things that are green and not in a package and like moving their body so i'm on board with that 100 and and the thing here is that 
you're highlighting exactly the aha moment that I had is like, who is better to lead this than pharmacists? We know the drugs. We understand that it's not just the drug itself. We don't want people on drugs. Our entire education now is based on getting people off of medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Only using the most appropriate medications and really, really vetting the products. So, um, so yeah, so I feel like exactly that, that's what I think. And like you talk about nutrition, when it comes to nutrition, teaching people nutrition, there's a difference between talking to them about eating green and then understanding that it's not about what people are eating. It's just their mental blocks. You know, it's understanding how to change behavior and which doctor has more than two minutes to do that, right? You can tell a patient all day long they got to eat better with a metformin. They don't have the system in place to do that. They, they may have dietitians, and the dietitians on staff are probably cracking those codes, but a lot of community doctors don't have those resources. So pharmacists being the most accessible, like, we're great. We can, we can talk to them about the food and then talk to them about their behaviors. Right. I mean, living in the South, trying to change engraved behaviors and the foods and the sweet tea is a challenge, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very fulfilling work. And this is when we're teaching pharmacists this stuff and we can give them that expertise of like really confidently knowing the products, how to measure uh, whether a product is good or not, and then talking to them about solving these problems holistic, like truly holistically. It's so fulfilling. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, I, I feel like I'm actually practicing now. You know, I feel like right. I'm actually doing something for people. So, okay, so this is another thing that I wanted to talk to you about because obviously in the didactic setting, I'm constantly explaining to my students the importance of quality when you're recommending these products. Um, mm -hmm. But even me, who I'm like pretty well versed in this kind of thing, I find it difficult to recognize a high quality product from like just good marketing. So can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, this is this is all I talk. This is literally my entire existence right now is about this very subject. So I'm very okay. excited that you asked me because <laughs> it's impossible. Um, so in supplement school, we talk about five vital nutrients almost everybody would benefit from omega three probiotics, bone support, proteins and micronutrients if you're deficient, right? Within each one of those, it talks about an essential nutrient or essential thing that might be missing from our, our diet. But each one of those also uh, demonstrates one area of fault in the natural products industry from a quality perspective. So when it comes to protein, we learn that you need transparency, right? You need transparency because you can look at a protein label and it can say it is 18 grams, but that protein the way that they measure the, the activity of the protein is by breaking the protein down and denaturing completely to the amino acid level and then measuring the amino acids. So companies know it's cheaper to get amino acids than it is to process protein. So they just take rice powder and throw a bunch of amino acids in there and then boom, it passes the test, right? Mm -hmm. So people are buying proteins and we don't absorb amino acids as well as we do proteins, right? They, the globules and uh, are denatured by us, but we absorb chunks of amino acids much, much more efficiently than we do the individual amino acids. So each, each category of supplements has something wrong with it to a major fault that a lot of us don't consider. We talk about quality, but it's very difficult for us to identify what all those different pieces are. And it really takes, it takes some kind of basic understanding of, of what's going on. So I start with the regulations. The regulations are, are poor, you know, um, it's or non-existent. 
Yeah, I mean, they're there. They're there, right? And the regulations are if I my favorite analogy is my cookies cuz I love chocolate chip cookies, but if if you think of making a cookie, um GMP, which is the federal regula regulations around supplements, says that you have to have a stove that works. You have to prove that you have uh the right raw materials. You're using a formula. And then when you your cookie is supposed to have 18 chocolate chips in it. Make sure it has 18 chocolate chips in it. Uh you have to wash your hands, right? But what it's not saying is that the sugar has to come, you know, they say you have to do the best that you can to make sure that the sugars, you know, and all the ingredients are good. Well, the sugar can come from Domino sugar and, have, you know, be in the package from a reputable source, or it can be from some dude out in the middle of Woodstock in a brown paper bag that sa it says Sharpie, uh, it says sugar and Sharpie on the front of it, right? And you look in, you see white crystalline powder, but what are the other things that could potentially be there? And so the raw material side of things is where the quality really breaks down. And supplement quality, as we think about it, we're, we're thinking just about the manufacturing process. We're just talking about, are they making it cleanly? Are they following the regulations? Quality is much bigger than that. So what if you have a fish oil that's made correctly, but you're getting 1 50th of the dose? that you need to actually do something, right? So quality in my eyes, so I, I say that we're trying to set a new standard for supplement quality. So manufacturing is one part and that needs to be done much better than it is. I say about 10% of the time it's done correctly. And then the second part is that we need to be concerned about the therapeutics of the agent. Is there enough ingredient in there to actually have a clinical benefit? And then the third part is the ethics. Are these people doing the right thing? You know, are these people, um, existing in the world in an ethical manner. So Nestle just bought up a bunch of supplement companies and they're the devil, you know? So, you know, Garden of Life, the largest, cleanest, greenest company is owned by Nestle. And uh, a lot of people don't know that. No, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so check out on our site, 14 mega corporations that own your supplement company. The Saudis own a bunch of supplement companies. Clorox owns a bunch of supplement companies. Most pharmaceutical companies own the big brands that everybody thinks of. You know, we think of hipsters. We think of uh, guys like grinding stuff up in mortar and pestles, like in these little artisanal shops. That's not what happens. It's f drums of chemicals from unregulated countries being put in products. And, and, you know, time after time, universities, private groups are doing analysis on like the products that you can buy and finding that the probiotics aren't labeled correctly, the doses aren't accurate, that there's heavy metal contaminants, there's synthetic compounds being used. There's a million different things. So how do you tell? You can't. You can learn tricks that um, push past that marketing, which is that anything that's on the label that's not the supplement facts panel is essentially marketing. So you look past that to the supplement facts panel for a source of truth, not the whole truth. And you can kind of discern what product you're looking at and what kinds of things are there. But it takes some knowledge to understand, like, what should you be looking for? Right. What what is it that you're looking for? And then it takes being a pit bull. You have to go to these companies and ask them tough questions and not be satisfied with the answers until you get it. And until we get transparency, it's this horrible, broken system that will never get perfect. Right. When it comes to supplement quality. But again, I can teach you guys some some stuff like um, it, you want me to do that. I can teach you a little some couple tricks. All right. So here's a uh, here's a good one. So you're looking at a probiotic. So a probiotic, the 
the International Probiotic Association and a bunch of other organizations, uh, World Gastroenterology Organization, World Health Organization, have all identified that a probiotic benefit comes from a, a specific strain. So when we talk about Lactobacillus acidophilus, that's a genus and a species. A strain is the individual type of Lactobacillus acidophilus, of which there's hundreds, if not thousands, right? And so you need to see on a label all three names. You need to see Lactobacillus acidophilus and like DDS or or LA-14, or whatever the specific strain name is. So just by looking at a label of a probiotic, and if you don't see that, throw it away. That is a bad probiotic because in third-party testing, when people look at these things, they'll see that they're mislabeled or mis misnamed. And if they're not taking the recommendations that are 10 or more years old and using them in their, in their products, they're just throwing crap on the market and trying to be as cheap as humanly possible. So just if that's missing, just completely disregard it. I feel like probiotics is a huge one where people waste so much money because yeah. probiotic quality, there's so many. So people just buy the one that says the most billions of units that are on there and yeah. they're getting nothing. Absolutely. They get they most probiotics are garbage. And this is so my whole stance, because I know your audience is not only patients, but it's practitioners. Mm -hmm. We messed up. We completely messed up by not leading here, by not taking the bull by the horns and saying, listen, these things can work. Um, it's just that we need to demand higher standards for what's being done. And as a result, so we've poo-poo it, right? And our patients, they're, they want to, uh, uh, they, they think that pharmaceutical companies are evil. They think that natural products companies are the angels of the world. And I try to point them out that, you know, it's, they're the same, but they believe in this natural fallacy and they're not heard by their traditional conventional medical practitioners. So then they go to these charlatans that'll tell them things to, that will, you know, that they want to hear. And then they buy products that are garbage. And so if, if we owned up to it and said, yeah, these things can work, these are the things that you should know, then we could start to steer the conversation towards the better future. That's the mission that I have here is to say, listen, we got to own this stuff. Because when a doctor says, oh, probiotics suck, they're right. And but they're wrong, too. They're right because most probiotics on the market are made poorly. Most people are wasting their money. That's been proven like that's without a doubt. There's no benefit for most of the probiotics that most people take because they're not even probiotic. There's not enough strains, not the right strains. It's right. just because it's bacteria doesn't mean it's probiotic. But then the, the second point should be, but there's value there if you find a good one instead of just saying, oh, I'm, I don't want anything to do with it. They're not, they're, it's not a help, you know? So, so the doctors are right and, and the conventional medical practitioners are right in saying that supplements suck and they don't work, but it's wrong to just let that be the end of the sentence and not like try to take that back and own it. So let me ask you a question about something that I heard for or one of the doctors that I like to look at his work. His thing is, our goal for our gut is to have microbial diversity, so lots of different bugs that live in there. And so when you're taking a probiotic, you're taking a billion units of the same exact bug, and that's mm -hmm. actually inhibiting your gut from being able to be diverse. So have you heard yeah. anything about that, or do you have a thought? So I think that that person is taking a very strict very, very strict definition. If you think about how many strains are in our guts right now. Um, so I've been progress watching this progress, right? So we thought there was a couple hundred different strains and I think we're closing in on like 40,000 different strains really, but like the numbers like four to 5,000 is the most like clinically validated strain. So, and the number of 
strains in our gut, like just our colon, I think is approaches 40 trillion. Mm-hmm. So, so a billion or a hundred million, as I tell people, like, you know, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. It's not really doing anything. So when we take yeah. a step back and say, what is a probiotic? A probiotic is a strain that has some sort of clinical evidence at a certain dose. So uh, you have to get a specific strain, specific dose for a specific outcome. A lot of uh, microbial experts, I would think, or microbiome experts, I should say, they believe that there is a benefit to taking a mixed set of, uh, I guess, generally healthy strains to prevent um, to prevent problems, I guess. You know, so the strict definition is you're taking something to solve a problem, antibiotic-associated diarrhea, right? Um, colitis, Crohn's, you have uh, irritable bowels. So you're taking a, a, a probiotic strain at the right dose to resolve that. The FDA's definition is actually a little bit more broad where it says you take it to prevent diseases and be healthy. So the idea of taking a single strain at a specific dose, it's not messing with the diversity because it's such a drop in the bucket compared to like your environment. You know, I had a microbiome guy on my podcast, a local Cornell uh, researcher, and he said that, you know, if if you stay at hotels a bunch because you travel, your entire microbiome is going to be completely different than somebody who works in a hospital and somebody who lives in a city. Uh, You know, so our microbiomes are, are more greatly influenced by the diet and the and the environment. Well, the thing that I think is the most interesting about the microbiome is that your like expression of who you are as a person is more based on your microbiome than your genes. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I, that that's the part that you have to understand is that the number of bacteria versus human cells. This is the always thing. Yeah. Like, there's 10 times the number, but that's not true. It's like one to one. So there's probably one bacteria for every one human cell. So it's like 50 50, but they express like six times the amount of genes that we right. do. Right. So I think it's something we have 25,000 genes and they secrete like some insane hundreds of thousands of, so yeah. our, right. Our, most of our stuff, most of the signal that are coming at us from our, is coming from our microbiome. Right. And that's why it's so important. That's why I say that probiotics become a vital five nutrient for me because a probiotic doesn't come from the diet. Bacteria come from the diet. That can support your microbiome for sure. But using a probiotic product on a regular basis to either address health issues or to prevent and make your bi- microbiome uh, a little bit less sterile, crucial, absolutely crucial. There's no, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And people don't realize the amount of like toxins in our environment and our food that we're exposed to that are killing off our microbiome and how important it is to support it, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you don't eat enough fiber, you're not producing enough short chain fatty acids if you don't have the right microbiome and like your inflammation picture in your gut and in your body completely changes. So it's this very, very diverse, complicated thing. It's almost, you know, it is the immune system, right? So when people talk about boosting the immune system, that's dumb. Like, don't say that. That's not a right word. You and I took immunology. We took microbiology. We took all this crap. That stuff is complicated. I took three or four years of just intense. I I would never say boost your immunity because I know that it's way more complicated than that. I was trying to explain immunology in one of my blogs and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say chemistry and that's it. There's a lot of stuff going on. So when we talk about the microbiome, the reductionist approach is incorrect by saying, oh, it's got to be all this or all of that. That's not true. We just need to we need to make sure we're conscious that the it's the genes. It's the number of genetic expressions and neurotransmitters and signaling molecules that these things are putting out that really influences everything. So do you does your brand have a probiotic that you guys yeah. 
made. Okay. Can you tell yeah, us? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I'm, I don't do that. I actually okay. don't promote my brand. Okay. I, don't prom I don't promote any brand because it changes too much. So, so right now I've done the work to ensure that the probiotics that we carry meet the labeled claims and they're, they're therapeutically advantageous and the ethics are all there. So right now, as of the podcast, because what happens is a pharmacist, right? So somebody comes to you and they ask you advice and literally 40 years later, they're still doing that thing because, you know, Dr. Neil said a million years ago to do this. So you can't, you can't be like, oh, Dr. O'Hara has a great probiotic because they could suck a week from now because right. that's what happens in the supplement industry. So really, it's it's about ensuring that the products that you're currently using are the best for you. So like our probiotic has, it's only four strains. And two of them are like really top loaded and then two of them are not. And we have three brands that we carry that have general probiotics. So these are like um, uh, probiotics that would just kind of do this long-term preventative thing, microbiome management type thing. And they're just like general health probiotics. So we have three brands that are equivalent and they're all different. So uh, because the strain selection is different. So if you pick one strain, it might be temperature sensitive and you need to refrigerate it. And a lot of people don't understand that when you have a refrigerated probiotic, the first time it got put in the refrigerator was okay. when it got to the store because the, the cold chain isn't maintained. Imagine if vaccines were that way, mm. you know? So it's a big, it's a big hot mess. So the, the, there's a lot to consider when it comes to probiotics, and and this gets frustrating for people, both pharmacists that want to sell the stuff and people that want to take the stuff. They just want the answer, and there is no rubber stamp. I would love to say I have a nonprofit that rates and and talks about all the different supplements and and the ingredients and everything like that, and that's a dream for like later. I think is to have a site for this to to help people, uh, but right now that's not a reality. I'm actually too afraid to get sued to say anything about different brands because people are okay. really crazy. So, um, but I can, I can certainly point out that most people are buying products that are not meeting basic standards for what we would consider best in class or even good. Okay. Okay. It just, <laughs> it's hard to say like, well, who do you, like, how do you point in the, someone in the direction of where, what they should, I mean, I understand like looking at the label and looking at the different names of the strains that are in there, but then from there, where do you go? Where do you go? <laughs> Hopefully to somebody who's taken supplement school and understands the whole process and they're, they're really into it. Eventually we're going to take supplements. School. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you in there. Get me but in. The, um, yeah. The idea is that we need an army of people out in the community. So I've been beating my chest about this for a decade, right? I think that this is a real problem. I've been screaming about this. I've got my podcast, I've got my blog, but I can only reach so many people. I'm not going to implement change. So it was when I realized that I need an army of people out there that are doing this. So I'm now I'm looking for passionate people that want to spread this message, that want to lead this. And it's not until we kind of hit a critical point that people can really say, all right, the industry's changing for the better, or I can trust this or trust that. And right now it's about Consumers understanding that we cannot we cannot make the assumption that supplements are like medications and that you can go into any store and buy any product and it'll be the same no matter what store you go to. Within one store, there will be different quality vitamin D and different quality turmeric. You so going store to store and uh, and shopping that way, it, it's it's not it's not good. And so you know, I think that the. Supplements can be excellent. A lot of people get, you know, quote unquote results from crappy products. Um, I guess the, the best way to explain it, I, I teach people that there are three types of dietary supplements. Okay. Imagine we're buying a steak and 
we go to a store, but all of the steaks exist inside of a sealed black box that we can't look inside. Um, so 10% of the time we actually get the steak that we're looking for. 60% of the time we get a McDonald's cheeseburger. So we get this thing that's not a steak. <laughs> it's It should be a dollar, right? But sometimes those things can be 40 bucks. They're not going to really hurt us right now. They might even beat us and make us full. But over a long period of time, it's not going to be that great. And then 30% of the time, I think people are getting moldy McDonald's cheeseburgers mm. where these things are dangerous. They have inside them ingredients or, or compounds that could be harmful. And people really need to understand that. And when it comes to the natural products industry, the best thing that a practitioner that wants to lead understands is the mindset of a, a in, uh, somebody who engages in the natural products industry. Somebody who's like, I want supplements. The minute they hear the worst, little, the littlest thing about a drug or a pharmaceutical company, forget about it. That's, oh, yeah. they blow it out of proportion. It is yeah. the worst thing ever. But every time I or anybody brings to light quality related issues in the supplement industry, it just gets forgotten or swept under, under the rug. You know, yeah. uh, because there's there's an, a natural bias and inclination. And all I'm saying is that, yeah, pharmaceutical companies are corrupt jerks. I agree with you. Right. But we need medicine. And 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 most of the BS that you hear about medicine isn't real. And then the natural products industry, they're not good. They're not like inherently good. They have the same flaws. They use the same tricks as a pharmaceutical industry. Uh, uh, industry does. They're owned by the pharmaceutical industry and the products that we buy are lying to us. Our vitamins are lying to us. So we have to just have a little bit better, uh, I guess, mindset around the thing and, and, and be open to hear these criticisms because if we can get them out in the open, then we can make things better. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about how what you, I didn't even never thought about what you just said, how people like victimize the pharmaceutical industry, but all the pharmaceutical industry owns basically the supplement industry and that's kind of another one of my like soapbox things is that Bayer owns Monsanto which owns like all the genetically modified seeds which Mm -hmm. feed us so it's kind of like in Bayer's best interest for us to not be healthy because then they can sell more drugs it's like I don't know. Weird, right? Yeah. It's It's like like CVS owning Caremark and setting the pricing for and against the competitors you know so the whole (laughs) millennials hate all of this, right? And everybody beats up on us because we don't want to play. We don't want to play this stupid game. It would be really nice if a bunch of millennials got together and actually started to change things like, you know, going out and voting in primaries. But um, the idea here is like we, the whole system's broken and it sucks and it's just billionaires making lots of money. And and we cannot look at natural products as like this small space with like local craft stuff. It, it has to be considered differently. You know, so here's another interesting uh, factoid that'll blow your mind, right? Um, none of the whole food products on the market, so supplements that say that they're whole food, uh, actually have any food near them, right? Um, most of them are what are called probiotic cultured foods. So what they do is they take yeast, like brewer's yeast, and then they dump a bunch of synthetic vitamins into a batter, throw some food powder on top of it, and mostly molasses and sugar and stuff like that. And then it ferments in this big vat. And vitamins, if you didn't know, vitamins are mostly pro-drugs. So they're not the end product. We have to convert them. B vitamins are a great example of this. There's the the folic acid, and then we convert it to like folate, tetrahydrofolate, essentially. And then it gets converted on. It's used in the body and enzyme systems and stuff like that. So most of our vitamins are in this this kind of like pre-active form, right? So when the yeast 
takes up those synthetic crappy vitamins that come from wherever. They spit out sometimes those modified versions. So a probiotic cultured supplement is the fancier version of a synthetic vitamin with some food powder and sugar sprinkled on top of it in a yeast batter. Um, so that doesn't, I don't eat that. No. <laughs> I eat some, I eat some gross stuff, but that's not, I wouldn't like consider that food. And because of the loosey goosey definitions in the loosey goosey industry, a lot of people think that they're consuming whole food products and the products, if you look at them, will have, Oh, look at this food blend. And then on the, and the marketing side of it, it'll have all these pictures of fruits and vegetables, sort of like dog food, right? Dog food's got all these healthy things on the front, but it's garbage on the inside. Right. And we're like, Oh, we're buying it aspirationally. We want to, we want this this blend of fruits and vegetables because I don't eat fruits and vegetables. And it says it's got all these foods in there. But if you take the food blend that's got like 20 different ingredients, it's got organic carrots and berries and lettuce, you realize that it's like 20 milligrams or 200 milligrams, right? And you divide it by the 10 ingredients, that's 20 milligrams per ingredient. How much nutrition do you get from 20 milligrams of carrot powder? <laughs> none. You get none. Zero. Absolutely yeah. nothing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so whole food supplements and vitamins in general is, uh, uh, you know, a big deception in the natural products industry. So one of the things I'm trying to teach, I guess, the people that I work with is about CBD quality, because that's, Ooh. I think, a big one in the current world, I guess. So I think it's kind of cool. I guess you can you may have a different perspective on this, but that people can now actually, like we have the QR codes on the CBD and we can scan them and we can get a little bit more information to help us determine product quality than before we had that. I am so happy you said all of that because no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, that's that false sense of security coming back to bite you. So well, I, I, I actually literally the episode that I released today on my podcast is with a gentleman. We went from seed to bottle of all the different steps of manufacturing CBD. And I said, tell me about every opportunity a company has to be jerks. Right. So CBD is a perfect example of supplement quality and why it's important. And it's a botanical product. So it gets into the idea that it's not like a vitamin or a pharmaceutical product that has a single active ingredient. So when we talk about probiotics, it's a strain omega three, you know, EPA or DHA vitamins is vitamin A botanicals are like a, a profile. It's a, it's a complex mix of different compounds. So we have to have CBD, but then all the cannabinoids and the terpenes and all that other stuff. The QR codes and this false sense of security that it allows for, we understand that CBD quality is a major issue. That's the first round of pushback is like when it came out, we said, well, there could be crappy ones, right? So we push back as consumers and now the brands supply us tests. So oh, here's our testing. We have certificate of analysis on the page, right? Well, who knows how to read a freaking certificate of analysis? Who knows what they're supposed to look for in the product, right? So the transparency is broken if it's not accurate and, and, and honest. So you can fudge test data, right? You can make your certificate of analysis say whatever. But if you look at the data, most of the time, they won't be studying enough of the pesticides. They won't have, like, it'll say full spectrum. They won't have the full complex. So again, it's, it's not just about having some data. It's about knowing what data you should be looking for and then pushing to, again, pushing on them. Like, we vetted over 44 different brands at this point, right? Uh, uh, and like, vetted, I mean, like, Roto-Rooter. Like, we've gone deep. And the... The funny thing is, is that the brands that are like, well, our 
testing is online. I'll go on and it's May 2019. The last test that was posted was November 2018, you know? Uh, so it's not accurate information. They say they're full spectrum. They don't, they don't have any numbers on any of the other cannabinoids. They've tested two pesticides instead of like 60, you know, and uh, they're not even doing heavy metal testing. So the problem is, is that we call these conversation stoppers, right? So it's enough to have somebody who's not as aggressive or a kind of a lay person understanding say, oh, that's good. That's enough. You know, I, I know enough now uh, to make the assumption. So it's, it's a step in the right direction, but it's being manipulated because most consumers will only go so far. Okay, but my thing is that I think that consumers shouldn't be the one, uh, like, analyzing the COA. We should be the ones analyzing the COA. So we need to be able to understand what the COA says. And when you don't see any terpenes, you're not having a full-spectrum product, don't put that product in my store or don't recommend that product to my patients. Mm -hmm. So don't you think that we have the skill set to be able to understand that COA, maybe – Maybe not fully, but maybe seeing, okay, I know that I should be seeing heavy metal testing on the COA. And if I don't, then that's probably not a good sign. You have such a skill set that I built an entire business around the skill set <laughs> because right. that's that's exactly what I believe is that we, we need to get the training to understand uh, how much of an a-hole we need to be to these companies, right. right? We need to really push. And so, so yes. Uh, and, and the truth is, is that it gets very complicated very quickly because each discipline or category or classification of supplements has its own bag of tricks and you need experts within each of those industries to educate the group so that way we can then push back against that specific industry you know um so so yeah you're right we should be the ones leading it pharmacists are the most accessible we have a retail component built into our story we are trusted we know therapeutics and a lot of us know products because we, we recommend products all day, but a lot of us do compounding. And compounding is the foundational step towards moving towards, I should say, uh, quality and, and this kind of continuous quality improvement thought process associated with supplements. Understanding what a certificate of analysis is and like what to look for and, and what kinds of tests need to be done and the methods for testing. All of that is very important for uh, proper analyses of these certificate of analysis. Right. Yeah, that's because everywhere now knows it's like a buzzword to say quality testing is done and you'll see it like on a banner at the gas station. So I <laughs> literally tell people, you don't just take the word that the quality testing is done. You need to look at the quality testing and ask your healthcare provider what it says and to interpret it for you if you can't. So. Yeah, I Quality testing doesn't mean anything. That is literally no. just a, a, a catchphrase. It, it's like whole food or natural or any of those kinds of claims. It All is the unregulated term. Right. Oh, natural? Forget natural. Natural mm -hmm. is a whole term. Can I, can I talk about something real quick? Because we're talking about natural. We're talking about coronavirus, right? Okay. So I had somebody arguing with me because my blogs about coronavirus has been like, no supplements help you stop the nonsense, stop believing all these, these people. There's drugs that don't work, right? Our, our drugs don't work. We need new medications to treat this. So stop the nonsense. And somebody emails me back and says, well, there's data showing that vitamin C intravenous at 20 grams can help cure coronavirus. I'm like, first, that's wrong. And, and, and she's like, you know, 
know, you're you're not as natural as I thought you were. I thought you were more holistically aligned. And I said, well, to be honest with you, you're not holistically aligned because you're saying you want ascorbic acid that comes from corn, that comes from China, that's genetically modified in a supra pharmaceutical dose administered via IV. That's a drug. That's not a natural product. It's not an orange, right? So this idea of like natural versus uh, pharmaceutical, a lot of people get caught in this fallacy. Right. And so the idea is, what are we doing? Are we doing a drug? Are we doing a natural product? And and the truth, you know, they're all the same thing. Anything that's pharmaceutically active is a drug. Period. Right. Stop. It's doing something in your body. So we have to treat it like that. Now, it may there may be more nuance to it, like, you know, cannabinoids in general, like the entourage effect. We we don't understand how that all works, but we know it's a real thing. And, mm -hmm. uh, so, so with botanicals, you have that complex structure, um, you know, but then something like omega three, it's very, very defined. So I just wanted to go on that rant. I'm sorry. It's okay. Cause I still don't remember what I was going to say before, but, <laughs> totally fine. um, oh, I know what I was going to say. This was just another, another one of my rants on how we were talking about how, you know, there's no quality, there's no testing, there's no, not that much regulation, but I also don't really think that we are going to be able to incite that type of change in government regulation. I, I am a strong believer of like people just do things because it's motivated by money. So yes. if we start to see like companies that are actually providing us with quality products and we know that they're high quality and those are the companies that are being successful and making money, that's going to incite other companies to follow in their footsteps because they want to make money too. So yep. I think we need to find companies, you know, that we support because they do have a quality product and those companies becoming successful is what's going to incite change for other companies to make quality products. Yeah. And that starts with consumers expectations and consumers, I guess, attitude about the products because um, people view products as commodities, especially supplements. And what I advise my pharmacists that come on board with me at supplement school is that you're going to move from selling one commodity prescriptions to another. And so how do you stand out against the crowd? Well, it's not in selling products. It's not even putting the emphasis on products. It's putting the emphasis on your expertise as a holistic care professional, using supplements as part of that. And the de definition of what supplement is right for you will change. So it involves not only finding quality products, but it's really about changing people's paradigm. You know, it's really about making people understand that they're not commodities. My fish oil is very different than the fish oil you get at CVS or the ones that you get online or Puritan's Pride or wherever. Right. And there's a good reason. And, yeah, so you can get vitamin D everywhere. But when Gary Null, a, a naturopath like expert guy out in the world that has an online store almost dies and almost 100 people die from his vitamin D product because his <laughs> manufacturer did the math wrong. Right. Uh, that's a real problem. He had to sue his own company for for poor quality, right? So, and he's out there talking about quality all day. There is a there is a uh, it's crazy. There's a person that's famous for taking on food manufacturers and and blowing up the behind the scenes, behind the curtain about quality and food. Famous, right? So her supplements are. Garbage. They're garbage. They're $40 pieces of garbage. She has a, a magnesium product that has magnesium oxide, which is just a laxative 4% absorption um, for like $25 that you can get that $2 in every pharmacy. So it's not until we can change our consumers 
thought process about what these things are that will start to really influence change. And that's why it takes a lot of um, leadership. It's going to take a lot of people having lots of conversations with people to help them understand how bad this stuff is. Well, hopefully we can be the conversation starters. (laughs) Absolutely. We're the best ones to do it. Yeah, and we we can apparently talk to anyone, so we're good to go. (laughs) All right, so I think I've covered everything that I wanted to cover. Did you have anything else that you wanted to rant about before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I guess guess the, the closing argument or closing sentiment is that there is no rubber stamp for quality in the natural products industry. And as a result, uh, there's a lot of consumer confusion and there's a lot of organizations that are trying to give a rubber stamp and that creates another level of confusion, you know, USP verified products and therapeutic grade and, you know, consumer lab tested and, and consumer reports and all of this, and none of them are comprehensive. And so what we have to understand is that it takes more than just looking at rubber stamps to consume supplements correctly. So we need to reduce the amount that we use. We need to only take what we need. We need to understand that after the therapeutic side, there's this quality side, right? So which supplements do I need to take? And then am I getting that from the product that I'm buying? I would much rather most people stop taking supplements altogether than use crappy garbage. I agree with that completely. So my my wrap-up question, which you might have just answered with your wrap-up, what you just said, but my wrap-up question is always, what is your one health and wellness tip that you want our listeners to leave with today? Okay. Uh, I want you to know that a well-trained pharmacist is your best person to talk to about supplements and using them correctly, because even if they don't understand all of this quality stuff, they can help you address the complication that comes when multiple active ingredients are being used. Pharmacists are best at managing complex regimens and creating a a long-lasting strategy for health and wellness. And so I believe that look to pharmacists uh, to help lead this process uh, because nobody else has time for it. And the people that are currently leading it are a bunch of lying jerks that are just telling you lots of products for no reason. We need to be able to utilize our full training. And this is a great way that we can do it. All right. So tell everyone where we can find your blog, your podcast, and your social media if you want to advertise. Sure. So my, I have a couple sites kicking around. So my okay. blog is still currently at my Woodstock Vitamins site. Okay, so you go to woodstockvitamins.com. That's where my blog is. Um, my drneilsmoller.com has my methodology, the holistic standard, supplement quality standard, and it talks about supplement school. So if you have any interest in learning about supplements, I would say go there um, because even if you don't sign up for the program, you can get into our community and we talk about supplements every day. And you can also participate in some of the free stuff that I have coming out that will train pharmacists on the basics, how to think about supplement quality, those kinds of bigger pieces. So go to drneilsmoller.com slash school to get started. And then my podcast is The Big Mouth Pharmacist. And we have on industry experts and we deal with myths and misinformation in the supplement industry. So MTHFR, that's another thing, like genetic testing is available to people. 
that's stupid. Don't do that. We only have uncovered 4,000 of the 25,000 genes and, and people are just making up stories based on what they're finding. So MTHFR is being blamed by charlatans as being the cause of everybody's problem. So I'm literally probably one of the only guys saying it's dumb. And I've had a geneticist on the podcast who works with homocysteine urea and MTHFR patients in real life. And she's like, yeah, it's total nonsense. So I've got, I bring on people that help me debunk BS. And I think it's a fun thing for pharmacists to listen to too, because you can understand the backstory behind a lot of the stuff. So Love it. Well, thank you I'm so good. much for joining me. Sounds great. Sounds lovely. Sounds like I, it sounds lovely. I loved it. I, yeah. I loved our conversation. I think yeah. we got, I got to rant about some of the things that pissed me off. And I think that you. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, everyone. That is it for today. I hope that you learned something from our conversation today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for me, please shoot me an email, healthformation.podcast at gmail.com or find us on our Instagram, Health Forum Pod, and our Facebook at Health Formation. Um, And I hope that you guys have a happy and healthy day. Bye.